Welcome to the Three Forms Podcast, a joint production of Beaver Dam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. Together we are touring our historic Three Forms of Unity, the Belgic Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Considering how these old and trusted paths can equip and lead God's people in the midst of today's challenges. So let's start this week's episode. Welcome back to episode three. My name is Pastor Lloyd Hemstreet. And I am Reverend Tyler Wagamaker. And today we're taking up Lord's Day 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Tyler. Woohoo! There Let's we go. Let's keep talking about misery. Yes, <laughs> extensions of misery. We are going further and further uh, because that's where the Catechism says we need to start out, as we looked at last time in, in uh, Lord's Day 2 and, and back all the way to Lord's Day 1. That is the section that we're going to be in, dealing with what is the mess in this world? But it is not a miserable time for me being spent with you, Lloyd. This is a a highlight so far of my week. And this is after a week of vacation um, uh, where there were many highlights. But, uh, but this is, of course, the opposite of misery, which is to spend with you, Lloyd. So we'll just get that out there right away. So Okay. That yes, may uh, be the first time you've complimented me. I'm not sure how to take that. Th- so. uh, that's why you enjoy it, savor <laughs> it. Um, it might be Maybe few and far between when it when it comes next. So yes. very good, very good. So All let's right. talk about wickedness and perversity, shall yes. we? Well, first question is: uh, Is this just the way things have always been? Did God create us uh, this wicked? That's because, what because question six says. There is a lot of wickedness in the world. There's a lot of perversity in the world. We see that. Uh, all you have to do is turn on the news. All you have to do is lift up, uh, for those who actually still order newspapers and actually have hand copies of them, um, uh, to unfold them and read. And uh, what is it? If it bleeds, it leads, is uh, a lot of times is in the news industry how they say it, because that is really just a reporting of wickedness and perversity a lot of times. And tragedy, which is a lot of times even our 24-hour news cycles, uh, which we are drawn to, which is a strange kind of uh, strange kind of thing in our world today that uh, we are drawn, our attention is drawn to, we're, we're gawkers uh, of, on, on the highway of life. We look at this wickedness and perversity, and a lot of times we see it as, oh, it's over there, but the catechism reminds us it's actually inside of us as yeah, well. Absolutely, so. absolutely. It's, it, it is all around. We run into it each and every day, uh, brokenness, evil, uh, wickedness, in, in uh, acts of violence against other people, uh, acts of violence, nations against nations, and also just the uh, brokenness of this world when things don't work like they should. Uh, Driving, accidents, and injuries, uh, the brokenness in our bodies, disease, all of this. And so the Catechism asks, well, is that how things started out? In Hmm. question six, did God create man so wicked and perverse? And the answer, of course, it gives is no. God created man good and in his own image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might truly know God, his creator, love him with all his heart, and live with him in eternal happiness for his praise and glory. So yeah, the Catechism starts out here and reminds us this is not the way that things always were. Uh, It's pointing us back to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, the repeating frain, refrain over and over again in Genesis 1 is, God saw what he made. It was good. Everything they made was good. And at the end, there's the 
summary statement that it was all very good. And so we see that, no, it's not God who is responsible for the way things are. We were created good. We were created in God's image. And sin sin has corrupted things and brought about ruination, which is important to keep in mind. I was, uh, a couple of years ago, I remember hearing this one interview that uh, Stephen Fry, I believe is his name. He's a British, uh, well-known atheist also. He's a comedian. Um, to, but one of the things he, he had against God was he was very much faulting God with uh, with the problem of evil in the world. And um, in fact, he he referenced this one uh, uh, this one sort of worm. He said, "What kind of monstrous God creates a world um, where there is an insect whose life cycle is to burrow into the eyes of children and make them blind? They eat outwards from the eye. And why 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 would why would a God do this? This this wicked, capricious." sort of mean-minded, and he called him a stupid god. Uh, this is why I'm an atheist, he said, because look at the problem of, of sin. and Well, he wouldn't call it sin. He would just say the, the problem of, of horrible things in the world. The catechism says that's not how God created things. That, right. that responsibility lays on us, the, the problem of sin and the ruination that's come into, the, into this world. Absolutely, absolutely. We cannot blame and we cannot put lay on God's feet uh, the, the brokenness of this world. And that's what question seven goes ahead and is uh, directing our attention to next. Question seven, then where does man's corrupt nature come from? And the answer is from the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature that we are born sinners, corrupt from conception on. Now, where would we find this uh, discussion of the fall in in Scripture, Tyler? That's probably in the New Testament, or well, uh, certainly the re- the theological reflection takes place in the New Testament, but uh, but we actually see the fall itself in the Book of Genesis shortly after the creation. It's the creation account, right? In Genesis We're- one, and then Genesis two. Then we come to the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, it, it, we don't have a real long track record of human flourishing, <laughs> even though we were created right. so good. Uh, boy, it didn't seem to last that long. It, it, it didn't seem to last that long, which is kind of discouraging in some ways, but also is very humbling, which we need to be. I mean, this is this is the importance of talking about sin is it puts us into a position, a posture of humility, which is what we need before God. We need right. a, uh, a posture of humility, of confessing our weakness, of the problems that we have caused in, in our own selves and in the world around us, and our first parents, Adam and Eve. Uh, with In Adam's fall, we sinned all was that uh, uh, primer early on for uh, many of the youth in the United States a couple hundred years ago on how they would learn the alphabet of A, Adam, of in Adam's fall, we sinned all. But it also communicated an important truth of Lord's Day 3 of Heidelberg Catechism. Right, right. And so that is where man's corrupt nature came from. It is uh, not God's fault. Uh, we understand from Genesis 3 that uh, the serpent, the Satan, was involved in leading and uh, pointing towards the temptation and, and you know, twisting God's word. That's always something we need to be warned about and be careful of, because that was part of how it took place. But it wasn't just that Adam and Eve fall, and then, uh, you know, their children would be born good and holy and perfect. Uh, You know, coming from a Baptist background, sometimes there's talk of the age of accountability, and, you know, children are holy, children are good before a certain age. 
Uh, that's not exactly how the catechism's laying things out here. No, it's not. The catechism is very clear about even at, at the corrupt from conception, which is also uh, conversely a pro-life message in terms of saying that life begins at conception because moral culpability also begins at conception too. The problem of sin um, impacts us even at conception on. So those who say, "Well, life doesn't really begin until until you know the birth it's the birth itself." It, it flies in the face of Scripture. It flies in the face of the Heidelberg Catechism. Right. Um, and I lament those who, who deny life, even uh, um, beginning in the womb. But the Catechism is very clear that, right. that it does. Right. Moral culpability begins even in the womb. Yep. From conception on. And, and notice the language it used there. The full fall has poisoned mm. our nature. Uh, the fall has poisoned all of our nature. There is the, Think of a, a, a well of water, and poison is in it. It's mixed around all over in there. There's not just some section of the well that, well, the water over here's uh, might be a little dangerous, but water over on on the left side of the well is is safe. No, that poison is running throughout. You know what? You know what? Throughout. What's good water though? By the way, Lloyd Beaver Dam water is good water. If if ever there was an attack on the water supply of this nation. Beaver Dam here would be a great place to go to because we pull it from the earth, and it is fresh and delicious. I just thought I would put that little plug in there for the beauty uh, of, of uh, Beaver Dam. Uh, okay. There, well, so, uh, there, you make what you will of that. That's but back to the point of yes. poison and corruption yes, poison. of our nature. But, but we're born this way, though, Lloyd, because a lot of times, what is it, uh, Lady Gaga? Um, uh, let's go back to that esteemed um current theologian uh, philosopher of our age, Lady Gaga, and uh, with her Born This Way uh, song, which took off a number of years ago, of course, dealing with uh, with LGBTQ plus sort of issues. That was her issue with that with that song saying, well, you know, if you're bo- however you're born, that is that is the normative sort of principle that we work from. And and it's kind of like there, you are holy as you are born. There is no almost no concept of sin corrupting us and being born. But as as Reformed Christians, as Calvinists, we say even how we're conceived, how we're born, that's problematic. And so just because a, a, an individual is quote unquote born a certain way doesn't therefore give that individual a pass because we're all born into sin. That's the problem. We have to deal with the sin issue. Even in how we're born, right, right. The corruption is 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 affected every area and touches every area of our life, and it's not just uh, physical corruptions and limitations and knees that don't work as well as I might hope at times. No. but it, it goes much further than that. And so, even as we're looking at, uh, you know, the the theological term for it is the noetic effects of sin the ability that we have to to reason and understand and and even search things out in this world is still compromised by the reality of sin and our thoughts our desires all of these are not something that you can just oh give a free pass to if 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 that's what you were born with then that's got to be good to go no god's word says we're born corrupted and how are we going to know right from wrong we're going to know it by looking at god's word and his declaration of this is who I called you to be. This is how 
uh, you were created to live. Do you, do you have a problem with your knees, by the way? I think you mentioned knees there. I, Lloyd. Well, is, is this a knee if, issue? If I, if, if I get back running like I should, I probably will. I think so. like fish oil. I think someone said if you take like fish oil, maybe that helps with joints uh, okay, uh, okay. issues on there. I just throw that out there as... Uh, you know, as as a possible solution. Okay. okay. On right. on there because we like to deal with the problems of of the fall right. and of sin, and uh, and sometimes we do it even uh, in maybe taking vitamins as try to help us to cope with it. But ultimately, the the only the only ultimate solution for this problem of corruption, and thankfully the Hutterberg Catechism gets to this. It doesn't deal with that right at this moment in this question and answer it does in the next question and answer actually talking about born again we'll get there in just a moment but uh but the only solution ultimately is Jesus Christ and newly resurrected bodies and a new world that's been re- with a refiner's fire been pure purged and purified and made beautiful again yeah. but we get to that problem of sin that's in our natures i think about the the account i know we talked about genesis chapter 3 but then you just go to the next chapter genesis chapter 4 and we get the the account of Cain and Abel, um, and I think about you know sometimes we talk about nature nurture conversations about where do how are we formed as as individuals. The Catechism doesn't disagree with the the nurture part, but it certainly also emphasizes the nature part. We are born sinners, corrupt from conception. On you see that in the account of of Cain and Abel. Um, for instance, they were. You, you think about their upbringing. Uh, it was a fallen world. Of course, Adam and Eve had fallen into sin. Their parents. It was still an intact family. Adam and Eve were still together. You know, husband wife. They probably had their spats and their quarrels and their fights, but they were still presumably a loving husband and wife. And what we see, anyway, what we can kind of gather from it is that they still walked with the Lord. Um, they were a quote unquote Christian family. They. You know, the Cain and Abel, their sons, they had both full-time good jobs. They got out into fresh air. They were out in nature and creation. There weren't you know, roving bands of drug dealers around them. They weren't um, uh, raised in a crime-ridden sort of community with uh, meth addicts necessarily knocking on their door trying to, to give away free stuff to get them hooked on. Cain had an idyllic upbringing. Uh, uh, in many ways, the kind of upbringing we would say, if you have that kind of upbringing, things will generally turn out well for you. Did things turn out well with Cain? Uh, well, he lived through it, but no. <laughs> he lived through it. His, his brother, however. <laughs> not so much. Not so much because of the problem of Cain and the problem of his heart. The sin, you see the problem of the, of the sin nature that, that he was conceived, that he was born into, that had seized upon his life, worked its way so that he had a natural tendency, as we saw in last Lord's Day, too, to hate God and my neighbor. He hated God. He spurned God because God called him to account for his sacrifice. He didn't God have the warned right to of what was coming. God warned him, saying, sin is crouching at your door. It seeks to have you. You must master it. Um, uh, God gave that, and he didn't master So he had the law. He had God approaching him. He spurned God, so he had a natural tendency to hate God, just as the Heidelberg Catechism said last time. He had an obvious natural tendency to hate his neighbor, one of his closest neighbors, his own flesh and blood, his brother, um, uh, murdering him in cold blood. Afterwards, of course, thinking about himself, woe is me, poor me, God, how could you do this to me, sort of thing, when God confronts him with it. He lies, of course, 
Um, right. uh, and you and know, my, am my I brother's my brother's keeper? keeper? Yep. Uh, what are you talking about, God? So he's lying to God. So you're seeing this work out, the sin work itself out already so soon after the fall into an idyllic sort of world, as idyllic as you could get post-fall. And even then, you have murder in a in a family was is that fratricide is that the, the yeah that the, would be that would be the term that's used to describe well, it's it. good to and throw so, in some some good terms like that I think occasionally th- there we go Why, so, so so that is what well, we have it is a corruption from our conception on and it will play itself off or play itself out in the most horrific of of attacks even within our own families yes so. yes all right. Well, moving on to uh, the third question of Lord's Day 3, question 8 we are up to. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil? Are we that bad? No, we're we're not that bad. We're not that bad. All right. now. So the answer is obviously no. No. Uh, Well, and that that would be why you'd be obviously wrong again, Tyler. (laughs) The answer is yes. Unless we are born again by the Spirit of God, mm. it's it's a dark reality when we're talking about uh, you know the the theological term that's thrown around is total depravity. It doesn't mean that we are bad in every way possible, but every area of our being has been corrupted, and from that corrupt, kind of like that poison well, there's no good water that you can kind of pull out from this section. Not even Beaver Dam water not here, even Lloyd. Beaver not even Dam Beaver water wow. is 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 going to be it, once it's corrupted by that poison entering the well. It is a total corruption, and that is what we see: unable to do any true good, anything that is true good, even the good works that I'm trying to do. There's my pride involved here. There's my uh, desire for for others to notice and see me. There's uh, my desire to try and work things in my favor or something like that that I'm doing, even in the good that I am seeking to do apart from God's regeneration. You work. are such a downer here, Lloyd. Why don't you have some more positive, the power of positive thinking sort of uh, approach for us? No one wants to hear this. Uh, and I'm going to ignore things like Psalm 53, for instance, uh, which I, I guess it's, you know, maybe David is a Debbie Downer here too, because uh, David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt, and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away, David continues on. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Um, and then the last, the last verse of that um, is, is, is a hopefulness. It says, Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. So David, even in there in Psalm 53, he lays out the problem. No one does good, the way the Heidelberg Catechism has, but then our hope comes from the salvation would come out of Zion. Salvation did. Jesus Christ was born out of Zion, out of his people. Um, uh, He came to us. That is this this hope that comes to us being born again, where Jesus even um, had that conversation with Nicodemus. You must be Mm -hmm. born again. And then he talked about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, you can't see where he goes. You just see the, the effects of it. 
the effect of that is a life that has been changed. Right. Acknowledges that problem of sin. Doesn't make an excuse for it and says, well, I'm born this way, and therefore I'm just going to continue in on this. Right. Um, that is, a re- a, again, a direct repudiation to the mindset of our world, uh, of our culture today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know, it goes back to that birth, that talk of the new birth. We are sinful from our conception on, and so we are going to need a new birth, a new, uh, new nature inside of us for us to be able to actually live more and more into God's kingdom and live more and more lives in line with what his law demands. Because apart from that new birth, it's all corruption, all corruption all around. But God gives us a pass on that, though, doesn't he, Lloyd? I mean, he's he's like, I understand. This is how it is. I'm, I'm going to grade on a curve. Well, we'll be talking about that in Lord's Day 4. Oh. Is this fair that we are uh, in this situation? But the reality of Lord's Day 3 is, speaking very clearly, this is the situation that we are in. This is where humanity is. We're learning what is our sin, what is our misery, how hopeless is the situation, how badly do we need Christ. And Lord's Day 3 outlines, yeah, there's no hope apart from him, no hope apart from Yeah, that I think either. I'm going to need a second opinion on this, because I, as my spiritual medical doctor here, I'm not liking what you're, what you're giving me here, Lloyd. I'm going to need a second opinion, a third opinion. I'm going to go down to the church down the street, because this is what you're telling me. The, uh, this, this is really kind of depressing for me. I have enough issues going on in my life. Why would you heap this upon me, Lloyd? I mean, I could... I could prescribe you a fish oil Slurpee or something. And see if, yeah, well, that sounds that. absolutely disgusting, <laughs> yeah. actually. So just the, just the thought of, of but that. This wow. is the reality that we, we have to be able to understand, the reality that we have to see. What God's Word is clearly declaring to us and teaching us is how lost we are, how hopeless the case is without Christ. Uh, I've heard a teacher talk before about, you know, going through the book of uh, the Old Testament, looking at Israel, and their examples of failure over and over again for hundreds of years. <laughs> and the example that the Lord is is putting there is, you're not going to get this right. <laughs> Christ is going to come, your salvation is going to be, and your hope is going to be in him and in him alone. We're not going to make it. It is, it is, it is just... It is it is age upon age upon age of human failure over and over and over again. Even in the best of the quote unquote best of situations, it's just failure. Even when God shows Himself strong and mighty, like three days. I, I heard a, a sermon again just recently. Again, God uh, sets His people free in Exodus. He brings them out. Just has done mighty, wonderful, powerful things. They just went through the Red Sea, saw the mighty acts of God. Three days later, they 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 go out into the wilderness, and God's people grumble and say, "You bring us out here essentially to kill us because where's the clean water?" So you know, then you get the waters of Mara there, and it's like three days after God has just done this most miraculous, powerful thing, that God's people are like, "Whoa, duh. <laughs> we have an issue." <laughs> That, like, that we ah. do. That we do. That we do. <laughs> Sit in misery. Um, you know, you're either going to cry about it or laugh at it. Well, we're and laughing. We're trying to laugh we're, a little we're bit. We're trying to laugh it, through it. Um, but this is the reality of 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 our fallen nature, and, and, and it's this a reality is, we have to address. But this is not the language of the world today, Lloyd. This oh, is no. part of the problem. I mean, you see it played out in in 
in the politics so people look to, for instance, government to really to almost solve the problem of sin and sin nature. And I guess maybe if we pass enough government laws, maybe that will take care of sin nature. That will bring about this utopia here on earth. This will, will bring an end to murder. This will bring an end to drug use. This will bring an end to any sort of abuse. If we just have more laws, laws will fix it, right, Lloyd? Um, yeah. But maybe more government oversight or maybe more um, uh, oversight of of any other sort of law, perhaps. I, I, th- I think there could be more oversight of you, personally, Tyler, but uh, but I don't think <laughs> the, so. The, and my elders are <laughs> put in overtime, they're, they're, keeping I, oversight I, I of can me, Im- so. I can believe that. That they is a, That's that why is a they, they get worn out after three years, and they're like, I need a break <laughs> right? at least three years before you even think about putting me on and having more oversight of Reverend Wagamaker. Yep, yep, um, yep. Uh, that's, I mean, uh, the Book of Leviticus, God gives plenty of laws to try and straighten his people out, but we still have hundreds of years of testimony that <laughs> it doesn't work. No. And we can't get no, there. No, and so that's why we desperately need a Savior to come. Well, we do. And again, that's why the church has such an important role to play uh, in, in this world, because we aren't a bunch of social workers. We're not a bunch of politicians passing laws here to try to form better and 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 healthier governments. I mean, we always like for that. We would wish for that to happen. But the problem is, is the problem of the heart, the problem of sin. And Jesus is the only answer. And the church is the only thing out there, the only institution out there, only God's people out there proclaiming this. And our world's not having that conversation. It's not happening in the news. It's not even using the language of sin anymore. It is using the language of, a lot of times, almost uh, a psychological sort of uh, definition or uh, a therapeutic sort of way of talking about this, right. not a biblical way, and that often corrupts and comes into the church too. It does, and it does. You hear you hear pastors and and other theological leaders start falling into this language and uh, and adopting it, and and we are given the language of the gospel. We're given the language that the church has been blessed with. And so that we can declare what is right and wrong and, and make proper order of this world. And this is why we need catechetical preaching, Lloyd. This is why we need ministers in the Christian Reformed Church to, to be preaching through the Lord's days. I, I had a conversation with a deacon from a church uh, the other month, and he was lamenting. He's like, our pastor never talks about sin because he doesn't, he doesn't preach to the Heidelberg Catechism. He, he references it once in a while, but it's, it's a lot of times in this therapeutic sort of worldly way of talking about sin without actually talking about sin. And so the, the catechism forces us to talk about things biblically, which we need to. This is this keeps the church well anchored and it keeps us focused on our mission. Um, and so I'm very thankful for Lord's Day three, even though it's in this again section of misery. Who wants to deal with misery? But we need that accurate diagnosis. We need that spiritual medical doctor to come and say, "This is the problem. This is the only solution. Otherwise, you're going to die." Right. Right. I mean, nobody wants to be diagnosed with cancer. No. But if you have cancer, you don't want the doctor just saying, eh, everything's probably just fine. No, we, we, we need to know what is the actual sin, what is the actual misery, how bad is it, Doc, well, and what is going to be needed to, to save us from the sin. Exactly. Listen, you know, going and uh, sitting in on maybe, again, a therapy session might make you feel better about yourself in the midst of that, but that's not going to make the, the tumor shrink. So let's let's deal with the the cancer of sin here. Let's deal with the problem and let's 
take it head on the way Scripture does, which is you need to be born again by the Spirit of God. It's the only way that we're going to deal with this. It is the only hope, and that is where the catechism is pointing us. But we got a little more misery to continue to deal with first. Oh, so, boy, more misery. Yep, Yay. yep. So that is uh, <laughs> that will wrap it up for Lord's Day three. But we look forward to joining you again soon. Thanks for joining us on the Three Forms podcast, a joint ministry of Beaverdam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. To contact us, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page, Substack, on YouTube, or email us directly at threeformspodcast at gmail.com. Three Forms podcast, walking the good and trusted old paths together.